Well, praise God, it's good to be back with our Colorado campus, and uh, I always miss uh, being with uh, our Colorado campus. Um, as you have heard over and over, and we'll keep reiterating that, as the, um, you know, I mean, COVID is what it is, and it keeps bouncing back and forth, and restrictions are what they are, but uh, it's lightened up enough that we feel like we can uh, lift a little bit of the burden on our volunteers. They serve uh, both services and have since we opened back up, and they've been so faithful, and we want to honor them by saying, hey, if we can do what we need to do in one service, um, let's not wear them out. Amen? And so I want to ask you, would you do this for me? Would you put your hands together in honor of all of our volunteers who have served and just appreciate them? Uh, we are so thankful for their dedication to serve uh, our, our members and uh, our children and our youth and, and our community. Um, again, you know that uh, February 13th, I can't remember what the third Sunday of February is, what the date is off the top of my head. But Tim Whipple will be here. We're going to give everybody a copy of his book, Daring to Be, Living a Life of Becoming. Uh, I promise you, you will be blessed by that message series that Tim is going to come and do for us. Uh, he did it in Florida uh, last year in November, and uh, we decided to bring him out. We wanted to make sure it was a, a live series. And so he'll be here two weeks straight uh, to minister to our Colorado campus. Um, we're wrapping up our vision series. And in wrapping up our vision series, um, we talked about the uh, importance of, in 2022, reaching our full potential. While people may have faced setbacks in the process of what COVID did, uh, really, they faced a lot of reset. I just said to the, the worship team and the, the, the volunteer team for the service prior to um, service beginning that there's a lot going on in our society today. There's a lot changing and there's a statement that's out there, if you will, a political statement. Uh, it's called the Great Reset. Anybody heard that term? No one's heard that term. They're calling it the Great Reset. So some of you have heard that. People can get wrapped up in politics, and I think we need to be engaged in our society where politics are concerned, our civil responsibilities. But I want you to know the greatest reset of all time was when Jesus died on the cross. That was the greatest reset for mankind. And there's no reset, if you will. There's no changes that will be made by man. No changes in the governments of man that is going to thwart God's intention uh, from the reset of the cross. Because one day, all the governments of man will be handed over to God and we will forevermore be with the Lord. And guess what? We will be under the government of God, no longer the governments of men. Come on now. Look, uh, I think most people know that I love our country served our country, loved the Constitution, all those kind of things. But watching our society and seeing the divide that is going on where people struggle to have conversations, it's because they're focused on the wrong things many times. Or I can say a lesser thing rather than the higher thing. The higher thing is Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to give all mankind life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And yet we strive for everything we can get and everything we could do in this life and miss the greater matter that God wants us to live this life for eternity. The only way for people to come into that revelation, that knowledge, 
that understanding is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Can I get an amen? Now understand this, that if God giving his son translates us, as the Bible said, when we, when we come to faith in, in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our life, the Bible says that we're translated out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Is that correct? The Bible says also that, that we're in this world, but we're not, somebody, we're not of this world. And so while we live in it, and there may be uh, certain responsibilities in context of society, the reality is, is we've got a higher cause to live for. And I promise you this, living for the cause of Christ, living for the kingdom of God will never cause you to fall short in the society you live in. I don't care if it's communist China. I don't care if it's the freedom of the United States. I don't care if it's India, uh, the, the people that live under a caste system over there. Come on, somebody. You know, there's all kinds of different structures around the world, but mankind faces a lot of the same problems manifest in different ways. And I want you to know there are people that are born again, that are saved in China, in India, in England, in Germany, in America, and on and on and on it goes. If I offended anybody by not mentioning a specific nation, I think we all know there's a lot of them. <laughs> Why am I saying that? Because you'll never fulfill God's vision for your life. You'll never reach your full potential unless you are linked up, connected to what heaven is pouring out for your life. So, so important for us to understand that. Let me recap real quick some of the main points that I made concerning reaching your full potential in 2022 as a church and as a believer. We've got to clarify our win. I said to reach your full potential in God in 2022. Reach your full potential with people you know and reach your full potential with people you don't know. You have something amazing dwelling on the inside of you, the light of God if you've received Christ. And I'm telling you, there are people that don't know that. There are people you don't know yet that don't know God, and if you do, they can too. Amen? Oh, come on. You all with me this morning? You all somber in here? Is it too warm? Hey, turn that heat down. We'll wake up in here a little bit. People that don't know God can know God because you do. But you have to reach your full potential in caring about their eternal soul. Amen. I said that a win at Reach Church is this. We win when people are reaching up with love for God, experiencing his presence in our services, wherever that may be. That may be right here in the sanctuary, back in the children's ministry, preteens, youth nights, life groups in your home, time. Whenever you get together, did you know that where two or three gather in his name, there he is. Come on, somebody say presence. God's presence is in their midst. When they gather to honor, to worship him and praise his name. The second one, as I said, we win uh, when people are reaching in with love for one another, encouraging and serving one another in relationship. Encouraging and serving. Does anybody like relationships where, where, where people discourage you? Come on, talk to me here this morning. Anyone like relationships where people discourage you? That'd be a big fat, 
No, nobody likes this kind of relationship. Be an encouragement to the people around you. And then, uh, how many of you like people that are takers in your life? Come on. Huh? It's like, man, I want to find a bunch of takers and relate to them, right? No, no, you want to find givers. You want to find people who are willing to serve you. Amen? Uh, and then the third one, we win when people are reaching out to others with the love of Christ, helping them to receive salvation and grow in their relationship with God and to others. That's discipleship. Go into all the world, right? Go into all the world and do what? You proclaim the gospel. Go into all the world and make, come on, somebody, make disciples. That goes on, and here's the thing, teaching them, say teaching them, to obey. Oh, there's that tough word. Teaching them to obey all I've commanded to do. What is that? Jesus summed all the commands up into love God and love others as yourself. So the reach up, the reach in, the reach out. If we're not going into all the world and making disciples who know how to follow the commands of Christ, then I want you to know we're not a church, we're a club. Come on. I just get together with the people who, who like me and agree with me about everything. Look, you, the lost people who don't know Christ are not going to agree with you about a whole lot. Right? But they are going to come to moments in their life where they become open to the good news, to the gospel message. That God loves them. God's not waiting to judge them, but there's a certain fiery indignation. There's a judgment seat of Christ. There's a judgment that's coming, and he's made a way of escaping that judgment. If you'll judge yourself, lest you be judged. Judge yourself. And we live in a society, well, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me. Well, is there truth? Can you declare truth? And is there a difference? And I say that there is. It changed my life. Let me tell you a story. You all share. It's going to be hard for me not to be a little bit emotional about this. When we, in the midst of COVID, and again, I know it's not over, but you get what I'm saying. In the midst of the hardest season, we have a church in Florida that's looking to shut down, and COVID kind of dealt it its final blow, and they're going to shut down, and they say, hey, would you come and would you do this? Now, I think I've shared this some, but I'll share it a little more in detail. I said, well, do you mean leave my church in Colorado? They said, yes. I said, no. <laughs> no. Why? Because that church is in a struggling place. It couldn't afford me. Come on now. It couldn't afford. Angie and I would have to pack everything up, move to Florida. And it's not that we wouldn't be open to that. It's just I have to ask myself a question at 51. If I'm going to be my best at leadership, is that going to be just leading and, and doing what I've done for 21 years here? Or is the season that I'm in, I'm best used to lead through leaders and coach them and develop them and raise up a whole other generation of leaders. And allow them to, to grow in their giftings and their callings so that the, the body of Christ can become its best. Because the body of Christ, this church will not become its best by just hearing me. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Didn't have to be that loud. It's okay to have fun in church. Here's a part of your harvest by saying yes to that. Gosh, I don't know if I'll get this story out. 
um, to the first Sunday of the year when I cast this vision and I shared about our vision. We simulcast it into our church in Florida. And let me say, you know, how many of you just absolutely love when it's simulcast and it's on the screen and you don't have me live? Or No, you don't. I know that. And they don't either. But it allows us to be one church in two locations at specific times. And it makes a connection that can't be made any other way. They watched that service. Well, a lady named Mary happened to be in that service. And one of our members in understanding, sharing about going and making disciples, teaching them to obey all that he's commanded to do. And they've embraced that and they're going out in the community and they're sharing about Christ and inviting people to church. Mary watched that service online and she wept through the whole service. When I got down there the second Sunday of January, she came up like, you don't know me. My first Sunday was the last Sunday. I got to watch you on the screen. And uh, it was kind of different for me. But, but, you know, Janice was sharing with me about the Lord. And I shared a story of what's going on in my life. And, and I just thought that was a school. I didn't know it was a church. But Janice asked me if I'd come to church. And I watched you online. And I thought, man, I... That really impacted me. I wept through the service. I'm, I'm going back next week when he gets here alive. Now, again, I don't center this around me. I center it around the message and our ability to communicate the message in such a way that it, can I say, hits the target in the heart. At any given time in a message, uh, you know, if you think about it, there may be something that I'm saying, and it seems like I'm going off on a rabbit trail, but I'm leaving 90 and 9, and I'm going after one, and it's really the Holy Spirit that's doing that. And there were things in that message that spoke directly to her heart because of what she's going to. And I want to tell you that it's something that only Jesus can do through the messenger. It's something that only Jesus can do through you in the lives of those you know and the lives of those you don't know as you live out this wonderful, glorious gospel. Not just talking about it, but living it out by acting on it. Amen? So Mary was there on that Sunday, and she came up, and she shared her story before I got to, um, before service began. And basically, um, without being too graphic, her uh, five-year-old grandson was beat by his father, and let's just say it this way. That week, the week before, they had unplugged. He beat him to death. And here's Mary without hope. And all of a sudden, a member of the church shares, just loves on her a little bit and invites her to come to church. She comes, watches that online. It's God speaks to her heart in the midst of that. And then what happens is she comes back. And man, I shared the message I'm about to share with you that day. And as I watched most of that congregation weep, I saw her, man, just, just Niagara Falls. Because this is... At its core, what the gospel is all about. You want to reach your full potential, I promise you, you'll only reach God's intended full potential for your life if you are connected to Jesus Christ. Connected to what he did for you. Ministry. Say ministry. Ministry is service. It's what the word means. Ministry is measured by transformed lives. 
When you look at Jesus, there wasn't a person he didn't, that, that he encountered, his life wasn't transformed by his message and by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the word and by the spirit, their lives were completely changed. When I encountered Christ, his, his word and his power, a pastor talking about the love of the father and growing up really not having the love of a father. Here's my issue in life is I just want a father that will love me and never had it. And this pastor at 19 years old, I hear him speaking about the love of the father. And what did it, what did it really come back to? It came back to this, that God so loved me that he gave his son so he could be my heavenly father. I'm sorry. And it changed my life. It transformed me. God arrested my attention. And I set my life to impact as many people's lives as I could with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I better move on, man. I ain't going to get it. Could you bring me a tissue? I've had the privilege of leading thousands of people to Christ, discipling hundreds. I've been in 23 countries and preached the gospel. I share with them a story of when I first came to Christ. I was in Germany, and you get, most of you have heard this story that, that I got saved on that Sunday where he preached that message. Three, I, I had met Angie, I was engaged, and she kind of set me up to go to church with her parents. Now, I had an encounter with the Lord in the middle of the desert in, in Death Valley, California, where the Lord spoke my name. I mean, not audible necessarily, but let me tell you, it was the most real thing I had ever encountered, but I didn't know what to do with it. And I told Angie, hey, when I get back to town, I want to go to church. And she said, she, you can go with my parents. She was going out to a cousin's or a friend wedding. Which one was I? A friend's wedding. And she said, but you can go with my parents. So I went with her parents. And her parents happened to go to a spirit-filled church. And when I say spirit-filled, we're, you know, look, we speak in tongues. Our doctrine is we believe in speaking in tongues and the gifts of the spirit. And, and you know, God heals today like he healed back then. The thing is, is do we have the faith to believe that God will work in our lives to that degree? And, uh, but I go to this church, and I don't know if you've ever been to a church where they just speak in tongues audibly. You know, they're praying, you know, it isn't necessarily tongues and interpretation. But So here's the thing. They weren't like crazy with it, but here's the thing. During the service, worship's going on, and I hear a person to my right speaking in tongues, singing in tongues. And I was like, what if that, because I didn't know really any foreign languages at all. I'm like, man, is that Spanish? And then somebody else kind of over back to the left, kind of interesting, maybe that's French or something, huh? I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God. I remember being a kid and, and, and hearing some of the guys in the church that I grew up in that didn't believe in the gifts like that and didn't believe in speaking in tongues. And, and I'll never forget that one of them's like, yeah, those tongue talkers are a bunch of devil worshipers. And here I am sitting in a church where that's going on. Nah, man, I am never coming back here. And he preached that message. And I wept. I wept through that message. It changed my life. 
And I started to realize as I read the Bible, you know, all of this stuff is actually in the Bible. And it's something that God, you know, Paul the Apostle, desires spiritual gifts, but rather that you prophesy. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. Right? Howbeit he edifies himself. Edif say it yourself. See, to speak in a prayer language like that is something that only the Holy Spirit can give you. And when it happens, you're not, you're not speaking to anybody else. You're edifying yourself. And that's why sometimes people speak in tongues in a service or they're glorifying God, right? And they're doing that because, and here's what people say, well, you've got to have the interpretation if you do that. Yeah? How many of you speak the language of angels? Are, come on, are you with me? Am I losing you here? How many of you speak the language of angels? I don't. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I've become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. This is where Paul talks about love. The love chapter, chapter 13, is used in most weddings. And it's 14 where he comes on and says, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you prophesy. Why? Better is he that prophesies than he that speaks in tongues. Why is that? Because you encourage other people. You build other people up when you do that. But I want you to know this. You better build yourself up in your most holy faith or you won't be building other people up very well. Come on now. Are you all with me this morning? Why do I share all that? Say this with me. Testimony. There's power in your testimony. There's power in your testimony that power is tied to something else that power is tied to the blood of Jesus Christ that's the reason why you have a testimony is because of what the blood of Jesus Christ has done for you and I say to you today it has come at last it has come at last in this uh, series we shared a scripture out of Proverbs 29 18 it's in the Message Bible, and it says this, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Let me say this, from the foundations of the earth, say foundations of the earth, or excuse me, let's do it this way, before the foundations of the earth, the Lamb of God was slain. Before the foundations of the earth, the Lamb of God was slain. God set up that there would be a sacrifice and that the blood of Jesus Christ would wash your sins away. We sang it in the service. And when you understand that, when you understand what God did for you before anything existed, is he set it up for you to win. He set it up for you to reach your full potential before anything was made. He set you up to succeed but it would always be because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Having a vision, a revelation, if you will, what God is revealing allows us to see it. It has come at last. But having a vision, understanding what God is doing allows us to see it. It reveals our full potential. It, what is it? Where did it come from? What do I do with it? <laughs> It's simply the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, and what it brings. It brings this. Write these down if you're taking notes. It brings salvation. It brings power. It brings the kingdom of God. 
It brings the authority of his Christ. It provides us the full potential of a life-changing testimony. It's potential because you have to seize it. You have to uh, realize what it is. And if you don't, you'll never be able to reach your full potential in it to have a testimony that changes others around you. Listen to Revelation 12, 10 through 11. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It, say it, it has come at last. Salvation, this is the things that I told you it brings. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. Here it is. And they, say they, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. The King James says, by the word of your testimony. Hmm. This is what Ephesians 1, 7 says. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You can't earn it. There's nothing you're ever going to do to make it possible. It's there. It's waiting for you. And here it is. So how can I get it? How can I get it? Simply accept it. Simply accept what Christ has done for you. Now I want to say this to you. I can look at seasons in my walk with Christ. I look at that moment where I received it. I received the revelation of what God did for me through his son on the cross. And when I received it, it changed my life. And then what I started to realize was it wasn't something that was meant to be applied once in, in the sense of my life. It was one and done, meaning that God sent his son, he died on the cross, and yes, redemption for past, present, and future, right? But I got to wake up every morning. The steadfast love of the, of the Lord, right, uh, never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new. Can anybody tell me how often they're new? Every single morning of our life. Now, why does God, why does the psalmist pin God's inspiration to pin in the scriptures about the steadfast love of the Lord never ceasing for us? About his mercy that never comes to an end and that they're new every morning. Pretty simple. You need it every single morning. You need it at the start of every single day is to realize and understand it has finally come. And it's something that you're supposed to recognize each and every day of your life and you should start with it amen say it hmm. Ephesians 2 13 listen to this yes at one time you were far away from God but now in Christ Jesus you are brought near to him you are brought near to God through the blood sacrifice of Christ Isaiah 53 5 but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now, I want to point something out. My life message, uh, I've preached it many times um, from youth camps to um, pastor's retreats to men's retreats to church services, and it's called Scars. Scars. He was pierced for our transgression. He was bruised on and on, you know, by his stripes. Every place he bled from, come on, every place he bled from, 
there's a scar. How do I know there's a scar? Because you got Thomas in the New Testament. Unless I, uh, you know, I put my finger in, in the nail holes in his hand, right? Unless I put my finger in those holes, unless I put my hand in his side where he was pierced with the spear, right? Unless I do that, I'm not going to believe. Boop, Jesus is in the room. <laughs> hey, Thomas, here, feel me, you know, because he's spirit, but he's flesh, right? He's in a glorified body, but that glorified body in heaven still bears the scars that he bore for us. I said it still bears the scars that he bore for us. Thomas all of a sudden is like, whew, man, this stuff's real. Now, do you know this, that you and I in faith believe what Thomas only believed because he was able to touch Jesus physically? Come on. Come on, reach. Here, take your hand. Hold your hand really high. Come on, everybody do it. Don't, don't be, you know, rebellious this morning. Okay, reach back like this and then pat yourself on the back. You have come to faith. You know, you, come on, think about it. In Jesus Christ, without feeling his physical body. You didn't get to put your hand in the... Come on now. But understand, this is saying that it was for us that he bore those scars. That he bled from those places. Now, here's what's interesting about it. See, when you understand what God's doing, you don't stumble all over yourself. You get it? And, and your story begins to develop. See, in redemption, the redemptive work of Christ, the scars you bear in life tell a different story when you've encountered the blood of Jesus Christ. See, uh, Jesus, when you think about him being bruised, when you think about him being pierced, we read the story of how they nail him to the cross. We read the story of the suffering. But yet the Bible says this. That it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. All the suffering that he endured, there was a joy that was set before him. And you and I are that joy. Now here's the thing about your story. When you encounter the blood of Christ, when you encounter the scars of Christ, your scars, because you're redeemed, your scars begin to tell a different story. All I ever wanted was a father. And the reality is, is my scar of not having a father, encountering Christ in his shed blood, Put me in a place of where I got the best father there's ever been. Oh, that's better than you letting on. You start to tell the story a different way. See, for me, God, when I didn't know how to be a father, begins to teach me how to be a father to my kids. And even more than that, a grandfather to my grandchildren. See, that's a legacy. It's something that carries on as long as you recognize where it came from. I recognize where it came from was Jesus. He redeemed me. By his blood, he's given me a testimony that is a life-changing testimony to many that hear it. Not to everyone, but to many. Why? Because your testimony is the story that other people need to hear. Thousands, millions of Christians around the world have a testimony of what the redemptive work of the shed blood of Jesus Christ is done in their life and it speaks to somebody. Amen? Make sure that you're sharing your testimony of what Christ has done because it's going to speak to somebody and their life is then going to be changed because you chose to serve them. This quote by Andrew Murray, it says this, of all the glorious things that the blood means, 
this is the one this is one of the most glorious his blood is a sign the measure yes the impartation of his love so let's talk about this there's power in the blood there's power in the blood let me help you understand where that power comes from with regard to his shed blood number one the whip the whip it brought freedom for my body the whip brought freedom for my body first peter 2 24 he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds he quotes the old testament scripture by his wounds you have been healed if you think about the freedom that god intends you to have in your body that that may be freedom from from uh, addictions that may be freedom from from lust that may be freedom from anger that may whatever that you need freedom in your body for jesus christ died to provide that freedom amen number two the thorns the thorns it brought freedom for my mind freedom for my mind john 14 27 peace i leave with you my peace i give you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid you know with the the team before service too i was saying this there's a lot of fear going around people constantly dealing with fears what's to come fears concerning their relationship you know be it their marriage their friendships you know mom and 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 you know mom and dad you know parental relationships family relationships People walk in fear consistently about what's going to happen in the future. I want you to know this. You can't control what's going to happen in the future, but you can control your daily decisions because, number one, he's given you freedom. And number two, he's given you the ability to renew your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Be in God's word. Let it transform the way you think. Why? Because somebody may wrong you. And instead of, of, of wanting to wrong them back, your heart will be gripped with wanting to do right towards them, even though they've wronged you. Amen? Listen to Isaiah 26.3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. You can be in perfect peace as you trust God and I want you to know if he's willing to give his only son to die for you you can trust him amen the third the nails it brought freedom or yeah brought freedom for my hands and feet the nails brought freedom for my hands and feet <laughs> tongue tie Hebrews eight twelve says for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more Think about the level of freedom that he has provided for you with regard to where you go and what you do. He's not remembering wicked. He's not remembering your shortcomings, your failures, your sins. He's given you a clean slate. And again, as I said, every morning you can have that clean slate. So wherever you go and whatever you do brings glory to God and only continues to build your testimony. Hebrews 9.14 says, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. Think about that. Sinful deeds. What we do, that God's blood, the Lord's blood, 
cleanses our conscience so that we're able to do good to those that are around us. Romans 10, 15, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good news. That's your testimony tied to the testimony of Christ that is through his blood. And then number four, the spear. It brought freedom for my heart. The spear brought freedom for my heart. Psalms 147 and 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Man, did I see that taking place with Mary. The loss of a five-year-old grandson. The atrocity of that. And the sense of the terror in her mind. And you just see Jesus just washing healing over her. Man. And I, I got to be honest, I'm the one, and I've said that to him. There's an element, the presence of God in our life. Jesus talks about the woman with the issue of blood, if you remember. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. And she presses through that crowd. And remember, it's a throng of people. It's like a mosh pit, if you will. You, you know, it's like you're bouncing into everybody, getting through the crowd. And she presses through and touches his garment and, and gets healed immediately and just goes about her merry way. Come on now. And Jesus is like, er, who touched me? And the disciples, what do you mean, who touched you? Now, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what they said. What do you mean asking us who touched you? I mean, do you not see the throng of people all around? Don't you see this mosh pit we're walking through? No, no. The Bible says, for he felt virtue leave him. Life. He felt the anointing. He felt this this surge of, good, of the power of God. Remember, he was all man, he was all God, but the Holy Spirit still on his day of baptism comes and what's he do? Fills him. It's the same for us when we're born again. The Holy Spirit comes and regenerates us, brings us back to life. And it's not just any kind of life. It's the kind of life that holds the virtue of God in us, bringing us to life and then carrying life wherever we go so that someone else can experience it. I shared this testimony that, again, when I was in, got saved, shipped to Germany, and I'm studying the Bible, just reading the Bible every day, reading the Bible. That was kind of like all I wanted to do. And while the guys were back at the barracks and they're partying and all that kind of thing, you know, I'm talking to the chaplain one time, like, man, it's just a party every night at the barracks. He said, well, I'll give you a key to the chapel if you'll promise me that you'll lock up whenever you leave. You know, I'm like, yeah. So I would go into that uh, pulpit in the chapel, and I would just stand up there, and I would preach to the pew and read scripture, and, and the Lord, uh, you know, and, and I'd, get, I'd get all messed up and twisted. I'd be like, just, just, just don't worry about that right there. <laughs> you know, I would actually talk through it, and what was I doing? Is it, you know, ultimately, I was just trying to exercise God's gift in my life. You know, the Bible says, by reason of use, you exercise the gift. And I knew one thing, man. I didn't want to get in front of people and exercise that gift. So I would exercise it in front of pews, and heaven could be my, if you will, the witness of it. And I, and I began to grow in that a bit. And I would witness, and I would share, and got to lead 67 people to Christ in a matter of about uh, four and a half months in Germany. I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't, you know, you getting me here? I'm just somebody who decided to believe what the Bible said. And in a sense, God gave me. 
testimony to share. And that's all I started doing, sharing my testimony. My testimony tied to the testimony of Jesus Christ that he gave his life for me. Now, but why I was in there exercising my gift one night, there's another gift that kind of stepped in. And if, the, if you will, word of knowledge. Say word of knowledge. Say, say word of wisdom. Say, are you all with me? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy. And that kind of kicked in, and I didn't know I didn't know anything. I knew about it. I read about it, but I didn't know. I don't know what it means. Word of knowledge, something you know that you couldn't know any other way. Word of wisdom, knowing how to do something that you couldn't know any other way. Prophecy, this is what's coming. And you could not know that. You can't see into the future, but God does. God knows what's coming. And I'm up there one night, and I'm just going for it and sharing. And, and I just begin to pray, and I close my eyes, and I get this vision of a woman. It was a black woman, and she's wearing a big green dress, a long green dress. And I saw like it was a black, just this black cloud right here. And then, you know, as I'm praying and I'm seeing this, if you will, vision, all of a sudden I see it, that black cloud turn bright as, you know, white light. And, you know, I kept praying and, that, and it kind of went away and I'm thinking, what was that all about? Years later, I was in Swaziland and, and I've talked sometimes about how in America, you know, uh, we get in our car, air conditioner, heat, drive to church service, come into a nice building, air conditioning, heat. Come on, say amen. I'm thankful for it. But, like, they'll walk for two, three days to come to a meeting. And I got faith that they're going to go to that meeting and they're going to get healed. God's going to work in their life. And the pastors actually have the kind of faith because they don't get sued like we get sued. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of pull back like, man, if I put something out like that. And it doesn't happen, we're getting sued. You know what they do? The pastor puts out all over the place, hours and hours away. If you come to this meeting, there's this preacher coming from America. Everybody in the meeting is getting healed. Now, I didn't know what it said. Had I known what it said, I'd be like, hey, you know, I'm not feeling too good tonight. I think I'm going to hang out in my room. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> everyone's getting healed. I got to tell you, man, I don't have faith for that. But he had faith for it. And the people walking two to three days had faith for it. And I got to be along for the ride. Come on, somebody. I got to be a vessel of something that I didn't even know I was a vessel for. I did, but I didn't. And lo and behold, I'm up there and I'm preaching. And, and this, this woman, this black lady in a green dress comes walking down to the front. And you know, I'm flashback immediately to years prior. And she gets up there and I went. I know what is there. And in the name of Jesus, I command this sickness to go in Jesus' name. And I got to tell you, out from under the dress, boom, and ball of flesh falls. She takes off kind of dancing and praising the Lord. She's immediately healed. And I'm sitting there just staring at that thing. What the heck is that? It's a tumor. And I got to tell you, I walked away from that saying, man, what could God do where there's faith? I'm not talking faith in faith. I'm talking faith in a Lord that died on a cross and that by his stripes we're healed. And I can't say that, that, that I'm there. I can't say that over the years of, of walking Christianity out that, that I have that level of saying it's always going to happen. 
But you know, they don't have doctors and nurses and hospitals and like we do. And thank God for them. But I would say we got to get to a place of where keep me alive until my faith grows to where I look to God and I get to witness miracles. Come on now. That's different than saying, well, that's not good. I, no, it's good. But oh, do we need a move of God that brings back the power of God in such a way where there are people that, you know what, like a woman with the issue of blood, she'd gone to the physician, she did everything, she spent everything that she had, and she had no hope. Mary, she didn't feel like she had any hope till she walked and met Janice. There's the witness, right, the testimony of that person sharing about Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And then she comes to the service and their life begins to be as she encounters a body of believers that believe that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed them from their sins and that they have a story about Jesus. Let me share with you from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. The team's going to come and play and I want to pray for you today. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, you know, Pastor Warren's like, hey, do you want to do communion? I'm like, no. I want to do something a little bit different. I want to experience community. And as we close the day, here's my final statement. It has come at last, and it has come for you. It has come at last, and it's come for you. And I'm going to ask you to stand now, and I'm going to, I want us to pray. But here's how I want us to pray. I want you to find two or three people near you. And I would like you to share, hey, here's... Here's a need that I have in my life. And then just pray for the person to your right. It doesn't matter who we're praying for. We just hear the need. And we actually move to actually pray for somebody that's in our life. There, there's an activation that takes place when the body of Christ is released to actually minister. Life begins to be transformed. And I know it may kind of get some of the introverts in here out of their comfort zone this morning. But I'm going to ask that you would please do that because you're holding somebody's blessing this morning. How do I know that? Because Christ has changed your life. You have a story. And there's an anointing on your life to minister in people's lives that are around you. So I'm going to press us a little bit to get out of our comfort zones, and here's why. Right? Um, because we reach up to God, and I'm going to ask that we reach in just a little bit this morning and encourage somebody that's right here with us this morning with prayer. Amen.